So I wonder if you can think of things that are going on that we just can't see. So can anyone think of anything that's going on, but you can't actually see it with your eyes? Can anyone think of anything? Any idea? Yeah, Henry. Death. Oh, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, we don't see that. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I thought of Wi-Fi. Anyone, can anyone see Wi-Fi? I'm obviously not as deep as Henry, so apologies for that. Charlotte, have you got a good one? We can't see wind. Yeah, there's another one we can't see. So, you know, you, the wind, you might have heard it last night, but you can't see it. Wi-Fi, you can't see it, but you notice when it's not there, because we get told it's the worst Wi-Fi in the world in our house. Um, smells, any smells? You can't see them, but you notice them. Um, you might think of something like love. You can see the effects of it, but you can't sort of... I had an English teacher that would teach us about abstract nouns and would say... You can't buy, go into John Lewis and buy a pound of love. And I go, no. So, so you can't, it's, there are things going on that we can't see. And in the Bible, it tells us that there is a battle going on all the time. Not just one in Ukraine, not just battles, wars that we see around the world. But there is a battle in the heavenly realms going on. And it's a battle between good and evil. And we've talked about it before. And we've said that it's, we see it in, um, we see entertainment try and depict it. So who likes Star Wars? There's a light side and a dark side. Maybe you like Harry Potter, which I think is a brilliant depiction of evil because you just see the way evil eats away at people and doesn't bring life. Or maybe Go-Jetters where you have Grandmaster Glitch and he's a baddie for those of you who aren't cool and don't know about these things. And the go-jetters go around trying to save the world. So there is this concept of a battle between good and evil. And the entertainment industry has harnessed it and is making a lot of money from it. And we need to be alive to it as followers of Jesus. Because we see the effects of the battle. Sometimes we see that people get sick. We see relationships break down. We see people being lonely. We see unkindness. On an, on an individual and a global scale. And all those things are where the dark side are kind of taking ground. And then there are times when we see the light side taking ground, where people know that they're loved, where people encounter Jesus, where people are healed, where people are set free from addiction. There are so many different places where we see the fruit of the Spirit growing. And we call that where King, God's kingdom is coming. But we don't always see it. And at Halloween, it's more visible that there's kind of a dark side because these images come into our shops and our shop windows. And I walked down Gloucester Road the other day and some of the things, like in one of the charity shops, there's this gruesome, gruesome um, mannequin up, which I didn't take a picture of because I thought I wouldn't be able to show it in church. But it's interesting that we, we get away with putting those things in our shop windows in these couple of weeks in October. We wouldn't necessarily be happy with them the rest of the year. But in John 3, 19 to 20, it says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But as followers of Jesus, we have chosen to be people of the light. We're on the dark side. So I wonder, what does it mean in this battle of good and evil? What do we need to do? And Ellen's going to come up and read from Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 for us. So this is what it says, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, 17. Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, evil, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your, your, stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then before the belt, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Ellen. So, it says there that we need to put our armour on. So, how many of you have got your armour on this morning? So, a few hands up. Do you want to see a picture of me and my armour? Yeah? Let's have a look. I think there's a slide that goes up. So, so do you think that's what we're talking about? That's quite special, isn't it? Do you think that's what this pastor is saying? We need to grab some of this and get out there in the world looking like that. No. Well done, Charlotte. Yes, good answer. Okay, so basically there is this idea of armour which Paul gives us in his letter to the Ephesians, which helps us to, to realise how God has equipped us to protect us in this battle. And you may be here, sitting here this morning going, yeah, I know about the armour of God. But I wonder if you've put your armour on. I wonder if there's bits of armour that you need to be listening out for as we go through this week and next week, thinking, actually, that's a piece that might need a little bit of improvement or might need to be better fitted on me because there are some things slipping through that I'm not being protected from because I don't have that armour in place. So do listen out for those. So first of all, we've got the helmet of salvation that we're going to talk about this week. Everyone needs one of these. So it's very classy. So why do we have to protect our heads? Anything special in our heads need protecting, do we think? You at the back. Our brains. Brilliant. So we've got a lot of good stuff goes on in these heads. So we need to make sure that we protect our heads because it's really important. And God sent Jesus to rescue us and to save us. And the reason it's a helmet of salvation is it, it, it gives an identity. So we've got a picture from the... Queen's Jubilee or, or some recent event that shows people in their helmets. And each different division has a different helmet to identify who they belong to. And that would have happened in Roman times too. They would have had different helmets to say, this is where I belong. This is an identifying mark. And we have a helmet of salvation, which says we belong in God's family. We're part of his family. We've been chosen. We're known and we're loved. And it offers us protection. It offers us identity. Now, when I married Wayne, I became part of the Massey family, which obviously was a very joyful day. And, <laughs> and it, that affected what my name was. It affected where I lived. It affects what I do. It affects so many different things. But it also was a place where I'm known and I'm loved. And just like that, but maybe even better, is when we become part of God's family. And God adopts us into his family. And it defines us. It's our identity. It's how we're known. It's where we belong. It's where we're loved and where we're protected and accepted for all time. 
not just for this life as it is for me being a Massey. And, and the thing about salvation is, is in the Psalms, it says, restore to us the joy of our salvation. And just like there was much joy on the day I became a Massey, there may be days where I'm less joyful about that decision, <laughs> but not many, obviously. And in the same way, we might need to ask Jesus to restore to us the joy of the salvation of being part of his family. Because there may be times when we've got a bit mm, about it. And actually, we need to just revisit that. And we need to revisit the choices we've made and the fact that Jesus died for us and the celebration that there was in heaven over that. And just like a wedding day, we can look back and say, actually, that was a really significant thing for all time. It's the same. We need to realize it's significant. And we need to ask God to give us the joy of our salvation if we're feeling a bit meh about that. Okay, next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. So I haven't got a breastplate for you, but this is, this is our soldier here who um, has a right heart because he has this breastplate of righteousness. So who, how many people here have had an x-ray or seen an x-ray or know what an x-ray is? That should just about cover everyone. So, so God does a kind of x-ray of our hearts. And when he does that, he can see our motives and he can understand where we're coming from. And there are lots of different parables that Jesus tells in the Bible where we see that he can see people's motives and understand their hearts and where they're coming from. And so the breastplate protects our hearts. It checks that we're right with him. And when we have a healthy heart, then life is so much better, whether that's medically or whether that's in the spiritual. And actually, it's really important to have a healthy heart. It's really important to, to examine our hearts, to realize where we've got things wrong and where we need to say sorry, either to other people or to God or to both. Or look at our hearts and see where we need to forgive, because if we let unforgiveness build up in our hearts, then that's really unhealthy for us as well. So as we put on our breastplate of righteousness, we invite God to examine our hearts and flag things up. So in Psalm 139, it says this, Search me, God, know my heart, test my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So we've got our helmet, we know who we are, and we know whose we are. We've got our breastplate, our heart is right, and now we need a shield. Here's my shield. Really important to have a shield, because you just never know when the flames of the fiery darts of the evil one are going to come at you. That's what it says. So I wonder what that means when it says the flame. Oh, my goodness. You never know. What so you're going through life, and suddenly the worries of the world hit you, and you need to be protected from the worries of the world that come your way. And what are those worries? Can anyone think of the worries of the world that might come your way and you might need to be protected from through faith? Can anyone think of anything maybe in their lives, maybe in, our, in, a, in a bigger sense? Fear, brilliant. Fear's a really schoolwork. Brilliant. Some of the teachers will love that one. Right. So yeah, so, so, was, so things like fear, things like relationship difficulties, things like addiction, war, friendships breaking down, bad days, bad choices, the battle over screen time, the battle over what we are tempted to do and what we should do. There are so many things that come our way. And actually, if we don't have a shield that trusts God and is faith-filled to know what's good for us and what isn't good for us and protects us, then we're more likely to get hit by those different things that the world would throw at us. So, the thing about faith 
is the more we exercise it, the more it grows. It's like a muscle. And actually, in, if we want to grow in faith, we need to identify areas where we need to step out. That might be stepping out to offer to pray for someone. It might be hearing God tell us something for somebody else and sharing that with them. It might be um, asking God what he's asking you to do. It might be reading the Bible more so you know more of God and you understand him more. So there are so many different things that help us grow in our faith and help us in this, in this battle. So as we see a sort of celebration of darkness creeping in this week, let's take it as a prompt to remind ourselves that Jesus is the light of the world, that we are on the winning side in the battle between good and evil, and that he's given us all we need to win that battle with him. And we're back on... (laughs) I need my notes now. So we're talking about the arm of God. So last week, Wendy started us off on the arm of God. Um, And just if you don't know, Paul, when he writes this letter, he's in prison, and they think he's so dangerous. They're not 100% sure. He's either chained to, or he's definitely being watched over by a guy who's from what's called the Roman Praetorian Guard. So they were the equivalent of the Marines of the SAS. They were the best of the best. And whilst Paul is writing his letter about a spiritual battle, he looks up and he probably, he sees, I mean, literally he couldn't miss him, especially if the guy was pretty much chained to him. He sees this soldier. And so he starts writing about what the soldier is wearing and how that, what that would look like in the life of a Christian. Um, and so the first, so we're going to think today about, and we're not doing these in order, but we're thinking today about the sword of the spirit, the shoes of the gospel and the belt of truth. And I'll explain why we go in that order. So there's, I've got my sword. Um, Romans carried a range of swords, but I've got, um, I've got a small one. Uh, I've got a big one so you can all see it. So a sword causes an awful lot of damage, doesn't it? So at half term, we went to uh, the museum in Cambridge and we had a look at the swords. And actually, when you see them, they're like, like some of the swords, like, they're about this tall. They're massive. Um, and and he says, uh, Paul says, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And what he means by that, everybody, is he does mean Scripture. So God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. And we began our gathering by saying, here's some of the things that we sense the Lord said to us in prayer. But actually, when Paul says the word of God, he wants us to think about this book. Because elsewhere, he will tell us that this book is living and active, that the Bible is inspired, is the Holy Spirit has breathed into this book. And that he says it's living and active. And instead of, so you might have had a Roman soldier, might have had one of these kind of swords, but the, generally the swords they carried were short and they were double-edged so that when you were close in hand-to-hand combat, James, if you come up here, okay, you're not, you're not going to take me down, just stand there. But like if, I'm, if, if I, they'd be close in hand-to-hand combat and with the small sword, I can really do some damage, couldn't I? Yeah. <coughs> Thank you. Um, and it's double-edged. And I, I don't know, I've never been cut up by a double-edged sword. <laughs> Uh, I have sliced fingers and all sorts of stuff growing up in the countryside, but I've never been cut up by a double-edged sword, but my understanding is it's pretty painful, and it cuts you open quite deep. And Paul says that the word of God is like a double-edged sword, that it cuts us open, but in a good way. So when we say at B&A, we live a life of prayer, in our life of prayer, we, we prioritize reading the Bible. So how do you read the Bible, either on your own or with your family? And when you read the Bible, how do you let God speak to you through it? 
So every day when you read the Bible, something will grab hold of you because it's living and active and God has something to say to you from it. I have a friend of mine who, when he reads the Bible every day, think, asks the Lord to show him one word. And then, I don't know how he tells the time for the rest of the day, but then he writes it on a sticker and he puts it across the middle of his watch so that every time he checks the time, he sees that one word. And sometimes the word might be something like grace or prayer or love. Um, sometimes, and, but he carries that all the way through. And then at the end of the day, he sticks it in a notebook and he has this notebook that goes back about 30 years of all the words. But, but that's how, how do we get hold of the sword of the Spirit? Do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible in, as a household, as a family? And do you let God speak to you through it? Anybody know, I'm going to move on to, anybody know who used the sword of the Spirit to defeat the enemy famously in the Bible? When Wendy does. Well done. You too may have a free coffee. That's a real kick in the teeth for Wendy because she doesn't drink coffee. Um, anybody know, anybody who are going to make it, they, he went into the desert and he was tempted. Brilliant. And every time he was tempted, who am I thinking of? Jesus, brilliant. And every time he was tempted, do you know how, how, what did he do? He quoted the Bible. So if Jesus used the sword of the Spirit when he was tempted by the enemy, how much more should we? Okay? So that's one. That's first, uh, that's the sword of the Spirit. Oh, I had a picture of a sword. Sorry. There we go. Very good. Excellent. So, that, so, so we've, got, we've got our helmet of salvation, our identity in Jesus. We've got our breastplate of righteousness, reminding us that we've got a right heart. Um, we've got the shield of faith, and we're brandishing the sword of the Spirit. And then, and then the, the other thing we're told to do, I always think about these as like um, running shoes, but the, the shoes of peace, which are the gospel. Um, and the reason I think about them running, as running shoes is because are you made to stand still? Are you, if you put on running shoes, are you supposed to stand still? Yes or no? No. Excellent. Very good. What are you supposed to do with running shoes? Run. And, and so... The footwear that a Roman soldier had on were, were designed so they could go long distances. They could walk a long way. They could fight battles in far-off countries. And the, Romans, the Roman soldier that, Paul, that was guarding Paul in Rome could have been, he could have spent some time all over the Roman Empire. And so Roman soldiers went. And one of the best ways that we fight the enemy is not to be defensive, but to be on the front foot to go. And thinking about Jesus, he tells us to go, doesn't he? Do you know what he tells us to go and do? He tells us to go and tell people about him. So the best way that we can fight the enemy, the spiritual enemy, is, is, one of the, is to tell people about Jesus. So we say, one of the things, we say we live a life of prayer, but we also say that we, we live a life that goes, goes and shares do you, remember we've talked about, hands up if you, if, if you recognize this phrase when I say it. We talk about six knots in this church. Okay, a few hands are going up. Maybe not enough. We'll have to remind you. Six knots are a tool that we use to say, who are the six people that I know and love and I spend time with and I see that don't yet follow Jesus, who I, who I would love to follow Jesus, and I am praying for them to become followers of Jesus. Let me say, they're the six people that I know and love and I spend time with them. They're not yet following Jesus, but I'm praying for them to become followers of Jesus. And we call it six knots because we have a card that you can write their names on and put it somewhere to remind you. But also, you can get a piece of um, cord 
and tie six knots in it and, and keep it either in your pocket or in your wallet or in your bag. And whenever you see it, it's a, it's a reminder to pray for those people. So we, we go and we share. And actually, when we go and we share, the, um, that is the best way that you can kind of fight the enemy, the spiritual enemy, enemy is, to be, is to be on the front foot, to take, almost like the phrase is to take the battle to them. I'm going to go back to Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's us. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay? Do you know when gates were used in the ancient world in battles? Were they used? Did you take your gate? If, you, if I wanted to go, right, I'm looking at Jeremy and Joe. If I wanted to go and attack Jeremy and Joe's city, would I bring my city gates with me? Would I? No, what would happen when my army turned up at Jeremy and Joe's? I'm, t- I'm sorry I've turned you into my enemies. Uh, but when, when my army marched on Peterstown uh, and they saw me coming, what would they do at their gates? They would close them. They wouldn't go look over the hill and go, oh, here comes Wayne's army carrying his city gates. <laughs> no, they would go, oh, here comes Wayne's army. Let's close our gates. So when Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail, he means actually we're on the front foot. The enemy isn't on the front foot. We're on the front foot. He's closed his gates. So we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Do you read the Bible daily? We have the shoes of the gospel, which are like running shoes, made to make us go and share the good news. Who are you praying for? So I'm now being like, who are, you, who are you praying for to follow Jesus like you do? And then it comes earlier on, but then we have the belt of truth. Wendy's got it here on so what does a belt do keeps your trousers up i know every time i do this you're all really grateful that i've got my belt on but a belt holds everything together doesn't it yeah and a belt keeps your trousers up keeps everything in the right place and the belt of truth you're you're going to get the, the, the gist of this who said i am the way the truth and the life jesus jesus is the truth that keeps ev- all of this together So when we put on the helmet of salvation, um, it's because Jesus has saved us. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, it's because Jesus has exchanged his righteousness, his being right before God, for our unrighteousness, for our not being right before God. Um, When we put on the shoes, it's it's the shoes that he's given us to tell us to go. Go and make disciples. Um, When we put on, when we brandish... The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it is the Word of God which points to the, the real, the actual Word of God, Jesus, who, who is the Word come to us. And when we, put, when we hold out the shield of faith, it is faith in Jesus. Jesus is the, have I missed anything? I don't think I have. Jesus is the truth that holds this together and all of us together. So, Do you put on the armor of God? What is the truth that is holding all of your life together? Have you got an identity in Jesus? Do you know that in him you have been made right? Do you read his word and let him speak to you? Do you go and tell other people about him? Do you have faith in him when times get tough, are you a soldier in the Lord's army?